You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey everyone, thanks for checking in on episode 14 of That's Awesome with Joe. I'm Joe. Uh, Josh is here with me. Hey Josh, how's it going? Don't, you, can't, you can't wave at me. <laughs> no one knows you're waving. <laughs> but it's good to know that you're doing well. Um, let's start off with, um, I want to thank everyone that signed up for Throne thus far. I think it's... Uh, been more than we expected off of our like you know we're still a new podcast and uh i was very happy to see people were interested in joining something like that i've been hesitant to release anything like that because i didn't want to be embarrassed that it would just be me josh and my maybe a couple of my friends in there but uh (laughs) it looks like it's going really well i'm i'm excited to give away um some of that exclusive Ice Nine stuff. Andres has a CD, uh, our past guest, that he's going to be giving away through the through the chat as well. Uh, Sergio, who is our guest today, will be giving away something as well. Uh, we haven't decided on what that is yet, but he, uh, as you will hear in the upcoming interview, is involved in so much that there's probably plenty of opportunity for him to get something cool. So um, thank you to everyone that's joined. It's been really fun. We had our first semi-successful live stream uh in there as well right um which was painful to get set up but we finally did it um so it's been fun i i I love i love interacting with people and people have had some great suggestions for the podcast too so uh if that is something that you'd like to do and and support the podcast and all that you can join our it's the only thing we're doing behind a paywall if you don't have money for it totally fine we want you to enjoy the podcast anyway but if you'd like to support us you can participate in our um it's called a throne chat and it's through an app called throne you can do so at throne.live slash uh at joe ocuti my last name o-c-c-h-i-u-t-i we also have links on it in our uh instagram bio and on my personal page as well it's seven dollars a month, and we're gonna do all sorts of giveaways and raffles and live streams and AMAs and all sorts of cool stuff in there. So 
stay tuned for developments with that. But thank you, everyone that's joined. We encourage everyone else to do so as well. Uh, great. How was that? Did I do a good job of talking about that? Yeah, it was great. Okay. It always feels so uncomfortable talking about something that I'm charging people money for, which is why I was hesitant to do that stuff to begin with. But uh, I think this is cool. I think I think it's been pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm actually in the middle of taking a break from a writing session with Dan and Spencer who are downstairs. So you may be able to hear them screaming and stuff in the background but um i don't know if we'll see if it picks it up or not but we're hard at work right now on l on on a new lp so stay tuned for that too um what's new with you dude we didn't even get to catch up when we were on the interview earlier um i don't know school starts i guess that's stupid i'll have less time to do this but yeah we'll figure it out we'll make it work you should drop out yeah, great idea. <laughs> Since I said even today, I was like, I'm going to college in the interview. Yeah. And yeah, just drop. And then out. I just Forget said I dropped thing. out. <laughs> yeah. So you're my new role model. How's there you it go. Feel? Oh, man, your parents are going to be so thrilled that you're doing this podcast with me now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After they just heard me like list the longest <laughs> string of expletives when I was trying to figure out the live stream <laughs> this week. Yeah. My mom liked that. Yeah. She's like, that guy's funny. <laughs> oh, I'm glad she thinks it's funny. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't know anyone was listening and I was just like just going off on my computer. I was yeah. very frustrated. Yeah. Um, well, after I sat here for like 10 minutes watching, I was like, yeah, I can probably go do something else while I watch this happen. Yeah, I know. It's I just took my phone upstairs. I was like... <laughs> All right. Um, so... This week, our guest is uh, Sergio Medina, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, This is actually going to be a part one interview, and and you'll see as we go through that, one, it's just really fun talking to Sergio. He has a lot to say, and I think he has a lot of, like, cool insight on the industry. And two, he's involved in so much shit that, like, we, we couldn't possibly do it in under, like, at least two hours. So we decided to kind of break it into two interviews and, and part two will be coming later. We haven't recorded it yet. We're just going to kind of dive into it. Um, but Sergio is currently the uh, guitar player for Idola, Royal Coda, and Nova Charisma, as well as being the vice president for Blue Swan Records. He was previously in the band Cianvar and um, Stolas as well. And so uh, me personally, I have history with with many of those bands, just touring with them over the years and everything. But Sergio and I, Sergio and I have be, been friends since who we met back in 2013 at a random show, and like you'll find out in the interview, that that one event has led to basically half of my friends in my life now, and some of my closest friends. So. Um, yeah, it was. It, it's actually kind of interesting going back and talking to him and, and, and recounting kind of everything that happened and to hear about all the shit that he's done that I haven't been like you know paying super close attention to. Uh, it was pretty nuts. So it's a lot of stuff. Um, but I also want to just quickly, just as a as a side note to the interview, 
I think you can tell that we're friends, and so we, we kind of go off on these tangents. Um, but I think it's beneficial for people, especially if you're looking to start out a band, um, to kind of hear our stories about what we went through when we were DIY and, and learning what it was like to be or to pursue music as a career. Um, and neither of us had like, you know, there are some uh, musicians out there that find success very early and, and that's great for them and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I wish that uh, could have happened to me as well. But um, I hope that people learn something from it because I think between Sergio and I having grinded it out for so long and now we're finally at a point where we're comfortable and we're able to kind of do it for a living, um, we've we've been through a lot of stuff. And I think the stories at least are – if if anything um, – it's just kind of eye-opening because, you know, even for – Josh, I don't know about you. I mean you've never like fully toured or anything. But, you know, when you hear a band, even like a small band from your area is going on tour, it's kind of hard to really understand what that means. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Besides I just like leaving the state. Yeah. 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 From like all the episodes, I mean every time people talk about touring, I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that, you know. Yeah. And this one was a lot of – yeah, and, and me and Sergio definitely spent a lot of time with that. So I think it I, I hope people get something out of it. I think it's uh it's kinda cool. Um and yeah, so remember just part one, part two will be coming soon. Uh this is past Sergio. We'll move into present and future Sergio <laughs> on the next episode. Um but yeah, again, real quick, thanks for everyone that joined the throne chat. If you'd like to do so again, find it in our Instagram profile. And Josh, unless you have anything to add, we can send it over to Sergio. Cool? Nope. Cool. Let's do it. I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. I think. All right. Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. See you next time. All right. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we, um, this, this should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, but I'm glad it didn't. Oh. I'm glad we're doing it now. Yeah. The right time to do it. I I agree. And it's um it's eleven, which is the right time. It's um it's eleven twenty one, sir. Okay, okay, sorry. All right, take me um, for a ride. 
I don't know what to say. You got to help me out here. But look, this is what we're going to start with. Okay. Because okay? we just talked about it, and I and I, I didn't. I know it would have come up, but I didn't think of it as quickly as you did. Um, you are the creator of the logo mm-hmm. of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And all I did was say, hey, will you help me make a logo for my podcast? And then you sent me that. And then I said, that looks great. Yeah, and you kept Done. It. And then you said, wait, let me change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I said, no, I like the other one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a professional graphic designer by any stretch of the imagination, but I would like to be. And I t- love the logo. I think it's funny. During initial quarantine, I was like, what could I be, get, what could I be getting better at? during this time where I can't be playing music live or going on tour. And I was like, I'm going to try graphic design. So, yeah. And it's a picture of you that I think what happened was we were at the beach, and you, and I left my phone in my shoes, and I went to the water, and you were still sitting by all the shoes, and you took my phone, <laughs> and you just took a picture of yourself, and that's that was that's the picture it. I used for the So I didn't even know that picture really existed because yeah. I had forgotten about that. Well, you must have sent it to yourself because I asked you, hey, what picture do you want me to use? And then you just sent me this ridiculous selfie. Oh, I sent yeah. you that picture. Yeah. Oh, see, I don't remember that. But it was in my that. phone, too. I was scrolling. At Got one point it. during quarantine, I was scrolling to my phone, and there was pictures of us at the beach, including that one. Like that you one might was... have just take, sent it to me then. Who knows? Who kn- I don't know. You send a lot of pictures. I do. Yeah. So. You sent me one yesterday. Of me wearing pants that are too long oh, on yeah. my legs. I forgot about that. I thought <laughs> you were about to do a bit about nudes or something. I'll throw that into the throne chat, that uh, that picture. Yeah, we had, like, the actual original picture, it just looks ridiculous because it's you looking like you had just, like, done, like, a what, quick, what do you call it? Like a, a hair turn? Yeah, a, but a hair like, whip? what is it in modeling? Like, you struck a pose. Oh. It looks like you struck a pose. It just It's a silly picture. I might have been channeling um, my... Instagram girl character. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I can send you I'm that. I'm a big fan of that character. There's a collection of pictures from that day at the beach. You guys can <laughs> put it up wherever you want. <laughs> okay, so this... How many, how many characters do you have? Oh, dude, you have no idea how many characters I have. They're all incredibly stupid. Like, all of them are so, so, Did so stupid. Did you give Carlo... The idea to come up with characters? Though? No, but he did it too, which I love. Like that we both... Carlo is uh, currently drummer for Nova Charisma, mm-hmm. but was the vocalist and previous drummer for Stolas. Yes. Um, yeah, he's got some great ones. Gibble You. Gibble You, Dick Soup. Dick uh, Soup. <laughs> the Whitmans. And I feel like around the time we met you, which was October of 2013, that's when that started to be like... I had characters going well before 2013. Right, but he, I think, only had Gibble You at that point, which is a character he came up with. He likes fish. Uh, he's in the bayou. Yeah, he's, he's like from the beat, from, down the beat. Yeah. Which is really funny because I had a character that's from down the beat too, is uh-huh. what I would say, uh, based off of a, a real person that we know that we call Tombone. Um, and he's from there, and like this character is very much based on him, and he's... He's a hilarious dude, yeah. but he is, he's always just saying, tonal bone. <laughs> <laughs> How many more characters do you have? Have you gone through so them on many, this podcast? Dude. I don't think, like, a lot of them just kind of 
happen mm-hmm. and they recur every now and then. Like, God, I, I'll have to honestly, I'll have to ask Dan and Patrick because they like them the most, I think, and they keep track of them. What about Benicia Fair Day characters? That sounds like Ice Nine Kills. I definitely do, but there's so many. Like, I remember Sweepy McSweeperson, and he was this dude that was just, he carried around a broomstick everywhere and just loved sweeping up after people. <laughs> and I would just be like, don't worry, old Sweepy got it. And I would come in and... I wish you guys would have had that. He's just, like, based off of the... Um, God, I don't remember what movie it was, but there was just this old man that worked in, like... I don't remember Goodwill what hunting. it was. I, I, I want to be able to tell you the character, but the only person I can think of is the dude from South Park in this in the Vale episode. <laughs> this is way too specific. Yeah, just, really specific. just an like old South man Park, that warns people about things. It doesn't know? sound familiar to me. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, fuck, I was going to say something. I was going to ask yeah, you Yeah, we went off yeah. already. Okay, but look. This is what I want to do. Okay. There's a lot to talk about mm-hmm. here. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that I don't know that we could talk about, too. I think it's very possible that we may have to do two episodes okay. at some point. Because there's just so much shit that you have done and are doing that it's really hard to pack it all into yeah, that's <laughs> to one episode. Well, I'll talk about anything. Yeah. I think... Well, I want to start off early. Like, yeah. let's start off. I know some things. Like, I know you went to high school for music mm-hmm. and stuff. And but I and I kind of know like the origin story of Stolas. But I don't like. Let's dive into all that stuff. Okay. Because Stolas was like your first yeah, thing, it was right? The, the first band I ever toured with. Uh, it was the first, like, what I would now call like business endeavor mm-hmm. that I was really trying to get off the ground and through DIY booking I booked our own tours the first couple months and uh, yeah it was the first thing that I really was trying hard at I guess Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but before that yeah you're right I did go I went to a school called Las Vegas Academy which is a school you have to audition to get in I auditioned for classical guitar and I did four years at the high school where um, you only take four classes a day. I don't. It was. A, it wasn't a normal high school. It was a magnet program. You had to audition to get in, um, and we took four classes a day. I don't know what. What, what was? You, how many classes did you take when you would go to high school? A day. I don't know. Eight. Eight. eight? Yeah. Damn. Like we had well, I seven guess, I periods, guess like, I think, and like there was study hall and shit. Well, yeah. There's that too. I don't know. I guess. Dude, I was always so good at making my schedule. I was so good at it. I I never I remember I would have like packed classes Mondays, Wednesdays and Thursdays and my Tuesdays and Fridays would be like like 5 hours of study. Yeah, I heard I different stories about how different high schools in Vegas and around the country operated. My idea was that other high schools you would have 7 or 8 classes, 45 35 to 45 minutes each. And then have like a five-minute bell period where you go between classes. We had like fifty-minute periods, I think. Our our classes were like an hour and thirty-five minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and you would alternate. So we'd have odd days and even days. Um, and so on our odd days, we'd go to periods one, three, five, and seven, et cetera, et cetera. But um, every day, you had to do your um, your 
vocation. Whatever you auditioned to go to that school for, every day you did have that class. So every day for four years, I did go to guitar class. Um, and then I did ceramics and art, and also as my other, like, my elective, my minor, I guess, mm -hmm. for that high school. But yeah, um, right, out of, right out of high school, um, I started, I was already playing in a band that was doing okay for a local band, mm -hmm. um, but it was quickly dissolving, and so I started Stolas and then started touring. I think I did my first tour when I was 18. Yeah. yeah. With Stolas. Yeah. So you got, when, how old were you when Stolas started? 17. And you just went right on the road? Basically, yeah. I By your lonesome? Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we booked. <laughs> you, do you know this story? No. I feel like I'm telling you this for the first time. This is I think you are. So I don't, I. We, um, we booked, I, DIY booked a, like, eight-day tour across just California, um, and the day the tour started, two shows fell through. It was like super DIY. We played. Yeah, a, this sounds like my first tour when I was we, 17. I think we played a, a library in San Jose in front of nobody. Has Carlo talked to you? No. Oh my god, dude! We played a library in San Jose, and uh, in like the conference area, and there was a homeless man, um, a kid on a scooter, the one of the librarians, um, a mom and her little daughter. And I think that was it. And, oh, and um, the act who opened before us, who was this kid, um, who did rapping. I think I forget, I think his he big. He did rapping. <laughs> did, <laughs> There's a lot of those guys no, that are I doing did. rapping now. <laughs> he, I. It wasn't like. Um, why do I want to say his biggest influence was like Blood on the Dance Floor? He like. Oh, it was like, so he was, it was attempting like to do music. music. It was like seeing. Right, metal like music, but with rapping over it. Yeah, it okay, really I weird. got you. Yeah. Um, but later that night, he pulled a gun on us. It's crazy. Uh, you, what? You know, wait, you know. wait, wait, wait! You can't just breeze past that. What are you, you talking? Know that story? No, I, I'm trying. I'm, I feel like I'm saying it like you know it. So no, like, I don't know this story. Um, also, this isn't for me anyway. Uh, so right, right. Um, yeah, we that DIY tour. We played that. Uh, Fuck, I don't even know how to parse this out. I'll tell the gun story first then. Yeah. Um, he, that kid who opened for us, who was one of the six or seven people that were watching us at the library, said that afterwards, we hadn't showered in like four days. It was super DIY, we didn't have money. Um, and he was like, you guys, can, you guys can't stay at my apartment, but you guys can come over and shower and we can eat or whatever. And we go over there and we all take turns uh, into the shower. And when Carlo was in the shower last, uh, he like he went into his parents' bedroom and took out a rifle and like showed it to me, and was like, but and, like didn't have it pointed at me. Right. He like just had it, and went. I'm so sorry. I have to do this. And I was, and I my fucking heart sank. I was like, what? Like we're. This is how we go. Wait, wait, wait. He said, I'm so sorry. I have to do yeah. this. Yeah, and, and while holding a gun. So he didn't point it at me and say that, but he just had it. And <laughs> Josh's face is crazy. <laughs> he just had this gun and goes, I'm so sorry. I have to do this. What the fuck? Yeah, and then, like, it might have been, like, 15, 20 seconds of silence, but it felt like for fucking ever. And then he goes, I'm just fucking with you. And I start laughing 
and uh, RJ and, and Jason were, were like, what the fuck just happened? And Carlos in the shower. And I'm like, fuck, that was really scary. This is fucked up. But now we should pull this prank on Carlo. So, what? Yeah. That's so we, we, That's so we, me, <laughs> there's a video of this too. Because uh, we set up a camera. I can't believe I haven't heard this story. Dude, I'll send you the video. There's a, uh, it's a video of Carlo coming out of the shower. And uh, that kid going, um, he just said the same thing. I'm sorry I have to do this to you guys. And me, Jason, and RJ are against the couch with our hands up. Like, over oh my our God, heads. Dude. Oh like, my God. leaning, like, execution style. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just to pull the prank on Carlo. But, yeah. That's it, not a funny it prank. Wasn't a, no, and, like, even now... But wait, what did he? How did Carlo react? Is he must have there's been a, terrified. There's a video of him reacting to it. He just looks fucking bewildered and and scared. Yeah. For a split second, because immediately I, like, we all got up and started laughing, and we're and yeah, we're, like, yeah. Dude, we're just fucking around. But um, yeah, that Jesus. Yeah, it, I, the way I said that previously, getting a gun pulled on us feels like it was a lot. Like it was. No, I, that was good. Setup. I remember that story. Now it's funny, but if that were to happen, touring days now, we, oh I would. Oh my God, no! I'd, I would would probably Not, react violently, or yeah, or like, I don't know, like that. It, that I get it because it was what? What was that like? That was 20, 2012? February twenty twelve. Wow. Eight years over eight years ago now. Um, but yeah, now I'd probably be like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why yeah. would you invite strangers to your house and then and do this shit? Pull a gun. Yeah. Out. Yeah. That's not funny. Well, it's funny that we're talking about it now. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, never heard from that dude again. Hmm. We should we should reach out to him. Um, I wouldn't know how. Hmm. I just know his name is Chris. All right. Anyway. All right. Every, podcast network, get on it. Find Chris. <laughs> San Jose area. All right. Um, <laughs> don't actually. I don't want to talk to that guy. Um. Okay, so you did your first tour. Yes. When did you guys end up kind of... So when I met you, that was 2013, and you guys were already... I'd say at the level that both of our bands were at, like, fairly established as, like, a touring act. Um, like, I knew of you guys before we did that show. Yeah. Um, so in 2012, we did our first tour in February, and then we did another one in August that was self-booked, super DIY. Um, but in the middle of that, I was, I had done a tour with Hale, um, Hale the Sun. They had come through to Vegas, and they met a, f a mutual friend of ours um, who had a van. And Hale the Sun at that point did not have a van. So they asked this dude, who was my friend, Mo mostly my friend, if he could rent the van out. And I say mostly my friend because he then asked me, hey, do you want to come with me? Because um, I, don't, I know these guys, but I don't know them super well. Um, Got it. I, I'm renting their tour, my tour van out to them, but I, uh, they asked for me to come drive the van, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't want to go alone. Would you want to come with me the first couple of days? Mm -hmm. And I think the third, fourth show is Vegas, so he's just like, come with me the first couple of days. And then it should be chill, and then you can just stay in Vegas. And I did that, and then I just ended up staying on the whole tour, which was like three weeks, because I got along with them. And, and it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. And um, How was that? 
It was good. I mean, super DIY. Yeah. Uh, I think the best show was in Vegas because I used to throw these shows. That's at, a rarity. At, yeah, but, dude, that's another thing. I used to throw shows in Vegas, and um, we had – do you remember Harvard? The college? No. The band. The band, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I had them play my parents' banquet hall twice. Um, that's how I met a lot like birds. Is that where we played? That's not where we played. No, no. no we were going to play at my parents' banquet hall that tour, but – um, because I was also on the tour, I wouldn't have been yeah, home yeah. to like right, get right, everything right, ready. Right, right. Um, but um, Zex Marquis, I don't know if you know who they are. They're, um, I know you know who Mars Volt is, right? Mm -hmm. So their guitarist, their guitar player Omar has three little brothers, mm -hmm. um, and they, at that point, played in a band called Zex Marquis, and they played my parents' make a hall at one point. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah. Um, that's how I got more acquainted with Hale. I would host their shows. Okay. Um, and so... Is that how Donnie started booking you guys? Um, kind of, but not really. Because he was already booked. We started to bond with, uh, like, contacts of, like, DIY booking. I'd be like, hey, do you, have any, do you know anybody here that you can, like, got it, help got me it, set up it. a yeah, show? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, all this to say that um, when it came time for them to tour for the first time with, like, their first full U.S., which was with Dance Cam and Dance in November of 2012, um, they asked me to fill in because Shane, their guitar player, had just gotten a job at Ubisoft, which is a video game company. Right, right. couldn't pass that opportunity up. So they asked me to fill in for two weeks out of that five-week tour. Got and it. So that's the inception of Blue Swan. That's the, right. how that all started. Well, wait, what? How? Just because you guys... Because I was playing guitar for Hale uh -huh. on a tour with Dance Cam and Dance. I oh, that was on a DGD tour. Yeah. What year was that? November of 2012. Got so it. In July of 2012, I do that uh, DIY tour in which my friend rented out his van right, right, to right. Hale that I tagged along for. Um, I become friends with them. Then later that year, they need somebody to fill in, and they asked me to do it. And that was on a DGD tour? Yes. Got it. And that's how you met all those dudes? That's how in it, yeah, because the second day of that tour, their old guitar player, Josh, was like, I need a tech. I don't have a tech. So he asked so me. So you ended up teching yeah, for DGD, and then, too. Which led eventually to me having to ride on their bus so that every morning I could unload right. and right. be there at sound check. And that's how I got more acquainted with Will. That's how Will heard about Stolas, and that's how he told me that he was like, I've been trying to start a label for a long time, but I haven't been able to find the right band, and uh, I want you guys to be my first band. Got it. So you are the inception of Blue Swan Records. Stolas, yeah. Right. I'm not as an employee. No, no, I know. As, as you, yeah. You're like the catalyst that kind of like... Stolas was the first band on Blue Swan Records. We, I think we were announced with the announcing of Will's label. Got it. Yeah. And that was in, when did that announce? Um, December of 2012, I think. Okay, cool. So that's pretty quick. Yeah. It all happened really fast. Yeah. Because by January of 2012, um, I think January, starting January 8th, we were in the studio with Josh Benton at Puss Cavern in Sacramento recording our first record, Living Creatures. Got it. So. And then we met shortly after that. We, we met October of 2013. Yeah. 
which was that year. Yeah. Yeah. So you went from DIY tour to then. I went from two, three DIY tours. No, I know, but just like DIY tour to being signed and recording a full length and like, you know. About a year. In a year. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's a lot that happened in a year. Looking back now, I feel like things moved really quickly, but at that time, it didn't feel. Yeah, I mean, right. yeah. But yeah, I get now that. Now that I'm, I haven't thought about this shit in a long time, um, it does feel like things moved really fast. Everything kind of moved fast yeah. in your world, I feel like. Yeah. Because <laughs> after that, like, we met. That's We met, we played a show together randomly, mm-hmm. and then you demanded that I be on yeah. the next tour. Have you, you talked on. about that yet? I think we may have with in Donnie's, but we can recount it okay. quick. Cause <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things that I think back to, and I go, what the fuck was I thinking? That's not how shit works. No, it definitely wasn't. And you know what's funny is I knew how it, did, it, it didn't work like that, but I was just being selfish. <laughs> I just wanted to be on that tour. Because <laughs> I was also a, a booking agent. Like, me and Donnie yeah, had to work. Because we were, like, kind of working together There was a, a brief bit. moment that I was also on your booking as an agent. That's right. I, I forgot. I had an email. Uh, Mr. Wizard at, Entertainment. Yeah, Mr. Wizard Entertainment. Uh, yeah. You and Chark helped me set it up. Um, anyway, um, I'm, I'll go off on tangent, so you got to kind of... No, go. You, Let's you talk gotta, about this. you got to steer me in the this right direction. This is why direction. I'm saying I think we should do two episodes, really, okay. because I'm down. Like, I'm down to talk about this I don't know who stuff. gives... I really don't feel like anybody really cares about this, my particular story, but <laughs> I'll, I'll talk <laughs> about it. Let's do it. Um, yeah. We're at October of 2013. Yeah, so, so we meet at Haley's Haley's and in Denton, Dallas. Denton, Texas. Denton, yeah. Denton, outside of Dallas. Um, and you demanded... After we kind of, I don't really think we hung out that much that night. A little um, bit. We tried as much as we could. We hung out for maybe like an hour after the yeah. show. Yeah. But I saw you guys play, and I just said, this band has to be on our tour. And this is Venetia Fair. Yeah. the Venetia, It was the Venetia Fair and Stolas. And you guys almost didn't make the show because you guys had been caught shoplifting at Walmart right. earlier that day. Right. <laughs> You guys don't want to talk about that? I, I, yeah, whatever. I mean, I wasn't. I know you weren't. I wasn't. I know you weren't. Uh, but I literally stood in the room while everyone else was just like, I was like, why am I here? And they were like, well, don't you know them? And I was like eating the thing that I bought. And I was like, yeah, I paid for this. This is my receipt. And they were like, well, you have to stay in here too. And I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, I just remember that day pulling up to the venue and hearing from the promoter that the band that we were supposed to play with might not make it because they got in trouble at a Walmart in yeah. San Antonio, I think. Um, <laughs> what a day. Yeah. But you guys made the, it. We made um, it. You guys made it in time. I think while we were setting up to play our solo set, you guys were lugging in. Uh, yeah, because I remember we watched you. Yeah. yeah. But you guys made it just in time to like load in as we were setting up on stage to play right. in front of like what? Maybe, I think there might have been like, like 20 people, yeah, 20 or 30, 20 or 30 people. people. Um, but I do remember that show, Danny Warsnop was there. I do not know who that is. He's the was the singer or is the singer for Asking Alexandria. Oh. I would have never known. I think he lived there or something. Yeah. He was just at the show. That's all I know. Well, so it was 20 people and him. Yeah. That's cool. 
really cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, um, we play, and then you guys played. And while you guys were setting up, you guys were being yourselves, but to us, it was so new. Like, especially to me, I had never seen a group of people interact the way you guys interacted, it, like, which to me was fucking hilarious. You guys were, I don't know, you guys had this weird fucking dynamic, like making fun of each other while setting yeah. up, and like, since not that many people are there, I can hear what you guys are saying. Right. You guys are shit-talking the crowd and flipping people off. Chark is wearing a shirt of himself flipping him, flipping... <laughs> and um yeah did um, you remember how like committed bands were at that stage yeah you know what i mean I, like i remember 20 people like it could be five people or 100 people and you put on the same exact show yeah i feel like venetia fair was that band yeah because there was like you said maybe by the, this time which was later at night 20 people still there right and you guys blew me the fuck away and, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was that, that yeah, energy that was, of, like, this band doesn't give a fuck who's here. They're going to kill it. Oh, oh, my phone's ringing. <laughs> Very fucking professional, dude. Yeah, I'm going to ignore it. All right, it's going to go away. It's jazz. It's ringing in our headphones right now. That's what people don't know. Oh. You know? Um <laughs> All right, anyway, so, oh, my God, it's so distracting. No, I can't. All right, look, so the next thing that happened <laughs> is – Josh can't hear it. All right, it's gone. It's gone. The next thing that happened, at least for me with your story, because we didn't reconnect – well, we, we kept in touch, but it was only, like, four months later that we were on tour together. Yeah, the tour I wanted you guys on, that that night I forced Donnie to – consider I think, yeah or we even made it pretty definitive that night he was pretty upset about it yeah though. uh that tour that was october 2013 i was the, the tour in question was a lot like birds cn var stolas venetia fair that started january of 2014 so just a couple months later mm -hmm. um and you guys we were able to get you guys on that tour i think you guys dropped off another tour you guys were already on well, that was the thing is Donnie was booking us a different tour yeah. with a different band. And I called him and said, hey, I know we already said we'd do this one, but I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I want to do th this other one. Yep. And he was like, probably not happy about that. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, but now look, it's all worth it. Yeah. I, I, I think the shit we did back then is what led to us being friends now. Because there's so many touring bands that there's so many bands that we've toured with. That maybe you have like a good time with on that tour, but doesn't oh, have dude. like lasting friendship. I have consistently said that that one tour has given me more like close friends. Yeah. Than any other. Yeah, I would. Tour I would agree. But yeah, that the way that the way we did that was I called Donnie after the set, and was like, I this band has to be on this tour. Like we have to have this band on this tour. And he was like, No, they're like they're already on another tour that I'm booking. And, and he was worried that we were a liability. Yeah. And he started saying, like, dude, I know promoters that don't like them and like they steal shit. Like Which was bullshit. <laughs> there was there was we never stole anything. And there were no promoters that didn't like us, at least to my knowledge. By the way, there's a spider right here. Look. Oh yeah. Look at that guy. Anyway. Alright. Um He's going away. Yeah. And then you guys were on the tour, and which almost killed all of us. Uh, yeah, no was, kidding. That was a rough tour. It was during January of 2014. So much snow. Which was during 
the polar vortex, which I guess was a term that, uh, it's a weather term. Yeah. Is used. Do you remember what happened to us on that tour? Like why we missed the first show? Um, I do, but I would like you to tell. We, we were driving from Boston to the first show, which was San Francisco, bottom of the hill, San Francisco. Um, so it was a long ass drive. We had like four shows booked on the way out, but by the time we hit Ohio, we had just hit the polar vortex. Mm -hmm. So we're driving and it's starting to snow. And like, I made the mistake to pull over the van to a rest area because I was like, it's not safe to drive Mm -hmm. right now. And like, as soon as I pulled into the rest area, I was like, this was a bad idea. We're never going to be able to get out. And I, we had to stop because it was trucks everywhere. And we, just couldn't move at all because the snow was coming down so fast that we just were stuck completely and we had no gas in the tank and uh it was getting darker and it was about at the time that we got to the rest area about negative 20 oh my god <laughs> and then by the at the lowest it got was like negative 32 i think and we had to turn off the van because we had no gas yeah. And so we had to sleep in the van in with negative 30. in negative 32 degrees with no heat. And so we were all wearing like winter co- coats and like so much clothes in our sleeping bags and shit. Yeah. And by the time we woke up, the entire inside of the van was like coated with ice yeah. because of our like right, condensation right. just from us breathing. So we had to like chip all the ice away off how the van. Do you guys, how did you guys not die? We are very sh- strong. <laughs> I remember for that tour, I bought a, I bought like a semi-expensive sleeping bag that I think was advertising like uh, below thirty-two degree weather. Yeah. Like those. Like I had a great sleeping bag. Like if you you'll be fine sleeping in this weather if, because of, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Negative thirty-two sounds like you could die eventually. It. Well, I'm sure. I, I was like fairly warm though. Like I was just wearing. Or also, how did you not panic? I mean, we, I, I don't know, dude. I was in my early 20s. Hmm. I recently, well, not recently. This was a little over a year ago. You know the Grants Pass, if you're coming down the 5 yep, from yep. Oregon? Um, there's the highest point, mm-hmm. the summit. Um, last year on a Rokota tour, I was driving, and it was heavy rain. And I was like, fuck, it's getting kind of scary. And it's in the middle of the night. And... I hate driving in rain. I don't mind driving in rain. I hate it. I, I hate it. I don't it. mind driving in rain. I don't mind driving in fog. For some reason, I don't panic when I'm driving in fog. But once it starts snowing... Yeah, it's terrible, drive, especially with a trailer. I start pan- like I start panicking and kind of hyperventilating. And I was driving, and uh, it's raining really bad, but I'm like, all right, whatever. This is... I'm okay. Um, and then I get to, I'm getting closer to the summit, when I start thinking, I should probably pull off because this is getting a little scary. And I pull off, and it's I'm being told I can't park there. There's no parking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I get back on. I'll sit, and I said I'll do the next one. And I, the rain starts turning into really heavy snow, and I started panicking. Uh-huh. And then we had to. I had to pull off to the side of the road where I can hear semis just fucking flying yeah, by I because they too. they can't break. They don't stop. Right. Um, and I just went to sleep panicking, or I, I laid down. They're like, we ha- we can't drive. We just gotta wait till morning. And it was probably like three in the morning by this time. And uh, Joe, 
who's our drummer, was like, just let's just pull off and try to get some sleep. Right, we'll, we'll, when the sun comes up, we'll be able to start driving. Hopefully the snow plows will have come through, which they did. But I remember just, I have panic attacks. Dude. I can't yeah, dude, I, snow, I, do, uh, people don't understand that, though. Like, if unless you've driven with a trailer full of, like, thousands of pounds of gear yeah. in, a, in, a, in, like, a 15 or 12-passenger van, like, you, you don't, there's not the same, not even close to the same level of control yeah. as like a normal car, or even a regular car with a trailer. Like, because yeah. I just drove across country with a trailer on my Subaru, and I, it was like, I couldn't believe how much more control I yeah. had over it than I did with like a van. It, speaking of that tour in January of 2014, we, uh, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? We like fish or tailed, or like we were. Oh, jackknife. Yeah, we, we were driving and. and and as our driver was pressing the gas, the um, sp speedometer was going to like 100. Oh, so you were just spinning the tires. Yeah, we were spinning on ice. And then we spun out and then regained control and then had to get off the highway for like an hour because we yeah. were all in such shock. Dude, I know people that have just quit a band on the spot. Because of the ice? Because of like that shit. Yeah. I, like I know a band that... Um, they got the, uh, an incident like that where they spun out yeah. and, like, the trailer detached and everything. Like, nothing flipped or anything, and no one got hurt. Yeah. But it's like, you know, when the trailer rips off and it's just connected by chains yeah. and it's, like, just pulling the van around, um, he was just like, I, I'm done. I'm flying home. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. Can't do it. Yeah. Too scary. Looking back, there were probably a couple moments where I now I, I think I'd be like, dude, I I don't know how much longer I could do that. Dude, I, I think I've talked about this, but I have more panic situations now on a bus than I did in the van. Yeah. And it's because I'm in a bunk. And right. No seatbelt, no sense of security. Well, it's just like, I don't know. Like, and also, like I don't know the driver. I don't know what their rules are for driving yeah. and stuff. Like I have no idea how much sleep they got. And, you know, like on these bigger tours where it's like, you know, some of these drives are, yeah. it, they're all overnight drives, yeah. everything, you know? And so I, I'm always like, if we flip and I'm on the top bunk, I'm a pancake, Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, that's, well, that's why I hate bandwagons, but we don't have to go into that. Oh yeah. Those are bumpy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, so we did that tour together. 2014, January. January, 2014. Almost died. We became very close. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of walk me through what happened there. Is there a spider on yeah, it? Yeah, I just blew the spider Is it off. the same one? Yeah. That's funny. That's like the first spider I've seen in here. Um, sorry, what was the question? So what happened with Stolas after that period? Um, we're on Blue Swan, and uh, by, by the time we met you, we were well into writing our second record. Right. And um, which this is why I feel like shit happened so fast. I, now when I look back, I'm like, why didn't we w fucking put out a second record so fast? And why didn't we take a little bit more time uh, writing it or, like, making, I don't know, just... Yeah, make, it was um, quick. It was really fast. Um, but we were well into writing our second record. I think we already had studio time booked. Because on that tour, that January 2014 tour, mm -hmm. um, we met with Chris Crummett and oh, we really? did our second record. Yeah. And... Uh, we planned out what, like, the second sure. record. So, right. uh, yeah, yeah, things moved really quickly. Um, 
by that point too, obviously we had CNVAR, so that was the second band on Blue Swan. Right. So that's um, the other thing I wanted to yeah. like. Let's do this chronologically. Okay. Yeah. So CNVAR started. I'm, I'm Dude, I'm having trouble remembering all the stuff too. There's like three more bands we have to talk yeah. about, and like <laughs> the label and like all this other shit. Yeah. So, um, so CNVAR started. Um, what did that? That must have started around the same time that we met, right? Um, CMVR actually started April of 2013. So a so few months. Like really quickly four, after. Four or five months before. Yeah, I think it was actually on 420 that, Sick, that Will. Well, because he used to smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, he just sends me a message and is like, hey, uh, me, you, awesome bass player, awesome drummer, awesome singer, we need to start a band. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And I, um, I think... Um, he pitched Joe mm -hmm. uh, to be the drummer, but we quickly just got together, and I think, like, in June of 2013, I drove up to SAC to um, start writing. And, what, and then, like, we wrote the CNVAR EP in a week, mm -hmm. or less than that. And then immediately, I think we finished our last song on Thursday, and then Friday we went into the studio to record it. It's crazy. Um, and... Uh, yeah, yeah, that music fucking details how fast things move because all that shit's really fast. It <laughs> is. To me, like, I, I loved CMVAR, especially, like, live, mm -hmm. because it was like, here's a bunch of musicians that are very, very talented at what they do. And we're just playing and really fast. <laughs> it's just like, here's all the things that they probably just shouldn't do in their main bands yeah. all the time. But, like, let's just, like, just go wild on it yeah. so it was like a musician's kind of like band for yeah. sure at least that's the way i viewed it like not to say it's it's definitely like catchy and shit yeah but like, our first ep for sure is just really fun i loved fast. it it was so yeah. fun it was fun to play live um but yeah um that all happened in 2013 because obviously by that tour that we did in january we had the ep out and um we right. were gonna headline that tour right and Mikey from all like birds was like I, w I want to be on that tour. Right. <laughs> so before that we had already had all the artwork done because now things. I like remember the artwork was done. The venues were booked. Yeah. Like this is when me and Donnie started talking about like booking more, and he was like, "Can you give me some more contacts?" Like I think I may have even given him a contact or two for that yeah. tour. Well, think about this: the artwork for that tour is Cienvar art. Yeah. But. It had a lot like birds headlining. I know. Because the artwork was already done. And, like, now that wouldn't happen. Like, you wouldn't have mm -hmm. a headliner. No way. And then your direct support have the main artwork. And yeah. all of the the branding for that tour be all about your direct support. Like Nothing that. felt like there was a headliner on that tour, though. You know what I mean? Like, it was uh, everyone was just kind of hanging out. Yeah. And well, like, birds at that point was clearly the biggest band out of for all sure, of us. But, for sure. For um, sure. No question. But I just mean as far as, like, hanging out and stuff you oh, know because yeah. now there's like separate yeah green room now everybody hung out it was very yeah. early touring always felt like everybody was a family yeah um yeah touring well not right now but before covid it just felt like it felt more of a job now. right i agree um but anyway um where are we we're in so 20, we're at we're, we're now at the point where cm bar is a band mm -hmm. with an ep out mm-hmm Stolas is is currently writing and booked studio time right. for LP two. Yeah, 
by this point, Will's like, hey, I need more help with the label. <laughs> and his, uh, I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. He, the way he asked me to like be more officially part of the label was he asked me if I had a laptop. And I said, no, I don't. I didn't have a laptop. So you're not. <laughs> so the one requirement he asked you of you couldn't. Well, I just could. needed a laptop to do work. Like, right. And I didn't have one. And he's like, uh, would you be down to like be more officially involved with Blue Swan? And uh, I'll like the first thing I'll do to pay you is I'll get you a laptop. And so he got me my first laptop. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how I like yeah. signed on the. So he just asked you to do it. Yeah, and then from that point, I like started shipping all of the records, like right. having any online orders. How big was the label at that point? It only had Stolas and Cianbar. So Stolas and Cianbar. <laughs> That's right. it. Yeah. And both bands I played in. <laughs> <laughs> so you would have been doing that work anyway. It feels like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, Mr. Your phone's blown up. So you. I'll cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, but yeah, he got me a laptop. I started officially working for Blue Swan. And then at some point in 2014, I think it was like right before we went and did uh, Alan Maternal, uh, which was still his second record, he just goes, hey, um, I want you to like, to embrace the title vice president. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so that's how you became VP yeah, of Blue Swan, Blue Swan Records. Yeah. <sighs> it's too much happening. Too and much. It, I think I was about to go on a Let Live tour as their guitar. Right, yeah. I forgot about that yeah. too. Yeah, because I came out and hung out. Yeah, in Boston. There was that, and you also came out and hung out when uh, we played uh, Worcester. Oh, dude! I you yeah. mean Stolas? No. Uh, the t- also 2014 also brings the my involvement in Chiodos, my brief involvement in Chiodos. Oh, right. And you came to that show at the Palladium. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. I, f- I, I know where I saw you. It wasn't Palladium. Were you at the um, Gramercy in New York? Was it the Roxy in Boston? No. It, was it wasn't Palladium. I'm pretty sure we played Palladium. Anyway. It yeah. definitely wasn't. Um <laughs> Dude, I, I can't keep all the... I don't think I saw you at Chiodos. I'm pretty sure... I don't think I did. No? No. I saw Thomas with Chiodos in Atlanta. Well, then never mind. I, for some reason, remember hanging out with you. At and I saw Chiodos at the Roxy, but I don't think you were playing with them. You weren't. Hmm. Definitely weren't. But no, I never saw you at Chiodos. But I've seen you every time you've come through Boston, I think, with Why do Stolas I feel like and I remember Siembar. hanging out with you? Like, I remember not having anybody to hang out with when I was doing those shows, and uh-uh, I thought I'll hang out me. with you. And, uh, okay, well, never mind. <laughs> anyway. Um, so you're guitar teching, you're touring in two bands, you're VPing a record label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shipping things from the road. Uh, do you remember that? Doing what? You, because in 2014, we did the Blue Swan Records tour. It was Hail, Stolas. Owl, and then part of the East Oh, Coast and the Northeast States was yeah, us. Yeah, was the Venetia Fair. And yeah, I was just, I, I don't know. I was doing too much. I did too much. Was Icarus on Blue Swan at that point? Mm, I don't remember. I don't remember. 
Hmm. Okay. Anyway, let's go back to your shit. So, let's talk about, like, the end of... When did Stolas end? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh... Well, let's, because you guys changed up your lineup because mm-hmm. RJ and Jason were no longer in it. Mm-hmm. And then you got Carlo moved to vocals. Mm-hmm. Which he didn't want to. We made so many mistakes in that fucking band. Uh, he didn't want to? No, he didn't want to. And you just made him? We basically just made Carlo. Because there was it. a point where I was recording shit. Do you yeah, remember? I do. And I had those yeah. demos. Yeah. It was rough. That would have been cool. <laughs> I don't think I would have done it though, yeah. if I had re- if I really think about it, because I would have had to like relocate and shit. Yeah. Well, know? yeah. Um, in 2015, we uh, part ways with our vocalist slash other guitar player Jason, and Carlo insisted that we found another singer. And the re- and it's so stupid the w- the whole reason why we parted ways, and there's this podcast. Um, with Cedric from Volta where he talks about how one of the things they should be teaching in these music schools is communication. Mm. Not, no one really talks about how you should communicate with your band members because it feels like for us, especially DIY days and, and just kind of growing up, it feels it's kind of like the Wild West for us in, in some ways. Like yeah. No one, there's no one really there to like help nope. you... Like, I don't know. You so, just kind of have to hope what you were doing was the right thing. Yeah, it's a fucking gamble. It's crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and we didn't, uh, Stolas unfortunately didn't have that. And so we parted ways with Jason because we felt like his live performances weren't very good. Like, we felt like uh, he wasn't practicing or contributing. Um, uh-huh. Which, to some extent, at that time, might have been a little true. Like, for example, it, it always felt like every time we would get together to write, it was just the three of us, and Jason wouldn't show up. Uh-huh. Um, so now I'm like, that's fine. Like now it's something I wouldn't care, right? Especially if they were busy or doing something else, right? But they were still an integral part of the band. But at that point, I'm like, no, he's not practicing. No, I he's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. He's not singing well. You're live. not making. You're not committed. Yeah, I felt like he wasn't committed, and so and uh, our at our bass player at the time, RJ, uh, also was like, I. I can't continue in this band um, with, with that level of proficiency. Mm-hmm. Like we, like the rest of us do well, and we practice our asses off. And uh, this dude, who's like fronting the band, isn't isn't pulling his weight. And so yeah, um, instead of communicating that to him and being like, "Hey, would you like be cool if we saw some more like right. of you practicing, or like we can." Even this is kind of strange to say, but I'll say it. Uh, even Will at one point was like, if he needs like vocal lessons. We we can help him like on behalf of Blue Swan, like help him find yeah. a teacher. Um, and uh, fuck, we, I've never said that. <laughs> I just said that publicly. Uh, sorry, Jason, if you listen to this. But yeah, um, we uh, instead of communicating that to him, we were just like, yeah, we want to part ways. Like uh-huh. and which. Looking back now, super unfair. We should have said something uh, to like help all of us grow, but we didn't know how to fucking talk to each other. Right, right. So, um, yeah, we part ways with him, and we moved Carlo to the front, and which he didn't want to do. Who played drums? Uh, we had so many different drummers. Um, 
and he, Carlos still played drums for all the recording, but every right. time we had to play live, we like it was such a fucking hassle. We always had to find a drummer, and we always had trouble um, finding somebody who felt right, like right, chemistry, right, right, right. right. chemistry. Yeah, sure, right. Sure. Um, so yeah, just a ton of mistakes. We made a lot of mistakes. Got you. Um, so Carlo moved to drums. I mean, Ooh. off of drums mm-hmm. to vocals. Mm-hmm. Who played bass? RJ was still in the band. So we, we did a three-piece. That's uh, right. We yeah, I was going to say, I saw RJ. You guys stayed at my house. Yeah. So we get signed to Equal Vision for our third and final record. Right. And um, that was kind of a mess. <laughs> and, uh, and the month after the record dropped, uh, RJ quits the band. <laughs> and so... So you could kind of tell that things are just kind of winding yeah. down with Stolas. That a was bit. 2017, yeah. Yeah. And by this point, uh, I we just put out a CMVR record. Um, I'm already working on right. what was to become Royal Coda, uh-huh. and um, what else was I do? And then still doing the label stuff. You keep covering your mouth oh, sorry. with your hand. Sorry. <laughs> You told me to stay a little bit away, so... Uh, yeah, but this is different. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Josh, how long are we right now? Does it say? Uh, 50, 52 minutes. Jesus Christ. Okay, cool. How long does what do you think? Should for? we... What? How long do these usually go for? Well, we can go... We, I'm not done. Okay. I still have more stuff, but I'm wondering if we take a pause on, like... Do you have to pee? No. No, I mean pause on s- musical history. And call this Sergio Musical History Part 1. Yeah, sure. And then the next time we'll do this, because I do want to have you on again. Yeah. Because I hope that people find this interesting. I just th- I think it's cool to hear the whole evolution of things. Because yeah. I know a lot of the listeners here are, like, aspiring music- musicians, too. Yeah. And I think it's helpful for yeah, people I to just, hear I hope this kind of stuff. It brings some value. I, I don't... I, I know I go off on tangents, but I... No, no, no. The tangents are what's good about it, yeah. I feel like, because they're, like, real stories instead of just being like, you know, I DIY'd book a whole tour. Yeah. You, now we know that when you DIY'd book a whole tour, you played a show and had a gun pulled on you because that's what DIY touring is like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, Which is, I w- I, those are some of the best times of my life. Right. Like, Same here. I yeah. can't tell you how incredible I felt leaving Vegas, which is where we were from, Stolas, uh, for the first time to go on tour was. I like, we, n- we didn't sleep because we were so full of adrenaline. Yeah. And we were in a fucking Astro van, mm-hmm. a cargo Astro van that had only two seats, the, the, up, the front two up front. And, and then, then everything else Everything else was scattered, and we like, Zip tied a fucking bench from another van <laughs> in the back, and it was no seatbelts. I don't know, dude. I dude, see, I think my first tour I was in high school, mm-hmm. I think, and it was with my band Astronomer, which I was the youngest member of that band by like five years, mm-hmm. and it was all it was like a stoner like metal band, yeah, and that played like twelve minute long just spacey songs, right? Cool. And Pink Floyd early days. It was, I loved it. And we would play, we would end up playing with like bands that I was a huge fan of, mm-hmm. like, um, like Converge and like, uh, well, yeah, that poster yeah, right yeah. there. Um, and like all these like Amin Ra, like all these like kind of this subculture of like stoner music, right? 
And so our first tour, we actually played with bands that I was like super pumped about, mm -hmm. like North and Balboa and Rosetta and like all these bands that were like established in that scene. But that scene was still all DIY. Yeah. Like everything was DIY. We played a show that was with this label that eventually signed us called Forgotten Empire in their garage. You know oh. what I mean? Like that was the thing. Yeah. And there was like 50 people, but it was all just like dudes with beards drinking beer. Yeah. And it was yeah, great. I, I look back. We did that in an expedition SUV. I don't, with a trailer. I don't know what those look like. Well, it's you guys a had a trailer, SUV. so you. Yeah, yeah. At least there's that. We didn't have a trailer. And yeah. like we could have crashed and everybody would have, like, someone would have died under an Ampeg 8 by 10. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those moments were so. It was all. I mean, I was 18. And the other guys were all 23 or 24. Yeah. That was about, like, what it was like for me. Yeah. Same thing. And just to go out and explore, just to go out into the unknown for all of us, we were all just fucking really hungry for it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. That, I feel like doing that kind of touring, and, and just any tour in general, but now it's a little bit more familiar. It's kind of weird how, like, even though you're doing exactly the same thing you did before, but you're not new to it anymore. Going from city to city, venue to venue. Yeah. Um, especially if you're in a bus or a bandwagon where you go to sleep. You don't drive. And you wake yeah. up. You don't yeah, see you the road. You just wake up there. And it, like your front door is the venue for that day. Right. right. Um, Becomes but, more monotonous. Right. And it's less adventurous. It's less. Um, it's fun. It's still really it's, fun. And it's comfortable. I feel like it's not as much of a teacher as it was right. for the it's early not. days. Because I am thankful for the touring we did early on me too where it was just always a learning experience i had never right. visited the south i, I didn't I, I don't know i don't think i had been off the east coast yeah but i think some of us had never been west of um or east of um arizona yeah um josh have you have you traveled out from where you are uh yeah a couple times you were just in colorado Right. Yeah, Colorado. That was the first time we went there, and New York and Florida, but otherwise just like Wisconsin, Tennessee. Yeah. Like he's he's in he's starting a band right now, so he's gonna do all this shit. Yeah. Have you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I I one I didn't know how this setup was. So Why I, are you apologizing? Well, because I I feel I feel like. Uh, I'm sorry if we didn't include you. No, in the no, 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 no. This is the D Josh is kind of like the producer here. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. That's why I'm asking him times and stuff. But I tell him chime in if you have something. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I just I, I hope I didn't, we're like fucking just leaving. No, out. no, no. I wanted to ask him because he's. A, I don't know if you're planning on doing all the stuff that we're talking about. But like, is that is that the goal? That's, like to start getting out there and and doing it? Yeah, I don't know if it'll be like with this band, but. I, I'm trying to do, like, college and stuff. Like right. After college, touring is the goal. Cool. Right. Yeah. The, if, for anybody who hasn't toured and is hungry for it, because some people aren't cut out for it. Like, I'm, Oh, dude, there are people I know that are just like, I don't like touring. Like, I know someone in a band that had massive success very quickly and then decided they missed their job at, like, Target. Whoa. Like, for yeah, real. Yeah, I, I believe that because I, I know somebody who um, thought in their head that's what they wanted to do before mm -hmm. they did it. And yeah. they idolized it, or they like idealized it or whatever. They made it something, uh, they fantasized about it. They made it something 
in their head that when they it's just not realistic. when you go out on right. tour and you get confronted with fucking no. like no. grimy truck stop bathrooms and 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 the the stark reality of what it's like to be on the road right uh, in early days it's not it, it can't no be it's a lot true nicer, like I it makes me you appreciate like you know now I'm riding around on a on a bus yeah that like when I first started touring our entire tours. Reven- like what we walk away with at the end of the tour couldn't pay for a day on that bus. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it really makes me appreciate. Right. But you know, like this specific stuff. person thought that's what they wanted to do, went on their tour, their first tour ever, and then came home and was like, I'm never fucking doing that again. Right. Like, it's hate. tough. Yeah. I but, mean, and you don't realize, like, dude, I. I is like, it tough or are we like. No, hardy, it, hardy it people? was tough. Like, it, I don't think it's undeniable, but that. DIY touring. Like, okay, so this is actually a great conversation. We haven't done anything like this on the podcast before. I kind of felt like it was going to go this way with us, where we just kind of like have this kind of discussion. I'm I'm working with my buddy Anthony, Mm -hmm. who you know as Nova Skosh, because he came to a a, a Nova Charisma show pretty drunk and was just yelling Nova Skosh at us while we were on stage. Tony's like an aspiring... Um, rapper, and I think he's like very talented, right? And I've I've been trying to get him to like just bite the bullet and go for it for a while, and he's he's like at the point now where he's gonna do it, right? DIY so, rapping? No, like just like doing Not it, you cool. know, like just putting yourself right. out no, there instead of just like sending all the songs you make to your friends and like your network and thinking they're your fans, yeah. right? Because everyone starts that way, and they don't. And at some point, you say, "Why aren't my songs getting any more listens?" It's because you're only showing it to the people that you already know, yeah. right? And that's what's hard about it. So I'm trying to get him to realize that that's what he has to do, and he's, and he's got it, but it's going to be interesting for him to come out, I think, and I talk to him about it. It's like, dude, it's not like, it's not just going to happen like this. Like, it could, yeah. right? Those but you're going to have so to learn low. to live on a budget. You're going to have to, like, like, really learn to live on a budget, yeah. you know? Like, you can't let money be the reason that it doesn't happen. Like, yeah. I, I was telling him, like, dude, when I first started touring, I left with $100, and when I would come home and we were all living in a, in a two-bedroom apartment together, we wouldn't take hot showers because it cost money. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I like, remember shit like that. my first full U.S., uh, which was that Dance Gamma Dance Hail Tour, I think I only I took out $100. I had like five $20 yeah. bills. Yeah. Um, and uh, my debit card, which I wouldn't really try to touch. I would just wanted to spend cash. And then at one point on the tour, my information got stolen. Like my Oof. identity got stolen. Oh, no. And I didn't have any money. And um, Hale was giving us $3 per diems, which I would spend on uh, a Kit Kat bar and strawberry milk <laughs> <laughs> for a couple of days. And then DGD brought me on their bus, and my per diem went from $3 to $10. And I yeah. experienced a bus at, like, 18 years old. That's so crazy. I, I I was lucky and fortunate to see what, like, that Right, 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 right. So um, you had the... the the polar opposite. Yeah, it, like complete polar opposite. See, it was that's like, so cool, dude, though. We, I, I almost remember it was because I wasn't on the bus immediately. It, it took a couple right, weeks right. into the into that five week tour, but but even the you know what else is like just sorry to interrupt, but the fact that you were able even able to experience that level of touring, like even being on that tour in general, yeah, that early on in your musical career, like I, dude. Like, when I first started touring with Ice Nine, that whole world was new to me. Yeah. Like, I had never been on a bus. I had never seen, like, tour managers on top of their shit. 
like managing like I a large I group say of people. I saw tour managers on top of this shit. I well, do you know what I mean? At least someone that like you know. There's actually a crazy story about the tour manager on that tour stealing eight thousand dollars from. Me. I think I've heard about that tour. I mean about that story, but you know what I mean. At least where there's like roles in place and like people have like. There's like times that things are done, and yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's just different. Yeah, it's a very different like kind of yeah, tour than I, like just showing up to a VFW. For for me, it was um, sleeping in the van in Buffalo, New York, on a on a bunk, but that had no padding on it. So we were literally oh, sleeping God, on the floor, on like awful. on wood. Why did you just get some. Padding? <laughs> I don't know why. Just go to it wasn't my, it wasn't my van. Um, to the next day, having a bunk, and. Uh, in the warmth because it, it, right. it was no late November by this point or mid November and it was snowing outside in, in the in the east coast on the east coast so it was it was fucking cold and I went from that and suffering to like having a nice bunk right paying ten dollar per diem uh, actually being able to buy food right see um, that's the other thing I was gonna say like when we started touring we didn't even give ourselves any money. Yeah. Right. It was like all I saved up to go on tour, and that yeah, would be how I ate. <laughs> and I was eating like Which shitty now, food. I dude look, eating canned food right. and like. Now you look at that. The way I frame it now, it's like that's a business investment. I feel like that's how. A hundred percent. And and I think people that want to do like should look at it. They sh it yeah. It's a it's like being an intern. Yeah. And not getting paid to do your shit. I think you know? that might help people that want to do this structure their uh their framework a little bit in how they view it it's like oh i gotta work for me it was target i worked at target for three months mm -hmm. and i uh, spent most of what i earned at target on releasing stolas's first ep like i fronted the cds the like right. uh, yeah etc yeah um but at that point, I was like, I've never seen this money again. But now it's, right. it was some. That was me investing in myself. Exactly. And now it's like, it, now it we feels get like to do this just, for our jobs. Right. Right. But it, it only feels like just now. It's, Dude, it's me starting. too. Right. I feel yeah, like you and I. One hundred percent. I moved to Los Angeles a little over a year ago, and you like not too. Just six months ago. Yeah. So it's, it, I don't know. It it takes a while. Well, for some people, like you know, I also took almost five years off that's true you know that's like and, and there are some people that like get success like that and that's great like i do think there's value in in going up the ladder though yeah you know at whatever there's, speed it might be like you don't have to stay on each at each step like for a long time right. but just to see what it is right right because i do feel like you know I, I i'm not gonna like shout out names or anything and but like i do feel like there are people that have gotten success very quickly and they see like the other bands on their tours or whatever and like don't really appreciate how hard they're necessarily working, mm -hmm. right? And I don't think that they're oblivious to the fact that they had like a lucky rise, but like you can't really know <laughs> how gratifying it is to like see something succeed when you were making peanut butter sandwiches out of ramen noodles because yeah. that was the only thing that you I'm had. I'm actually curious. You know? do, you, do you have an episode with Spencer yet? No, I'm, I don't, but we're going to yeah, do one. I'm curious definitely about his will. rise because Ice Nine... He would, it's going to be a great story. Ice Nine right? has been a fucking, like, a band with that it's name. It's his only band he's ever been for in. Over, for 20 years now or about, something? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's, like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how that episode goes. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. 
I, I have a hard time with myself going on rants because I want it to like the story to bring some value to other people. I think this is all valuable. But listen, we I want to do uh, we got to wrap up okay. because I want to do part two and I don't want to do too much. But we always end. I think you know this, but we always end with tour stories. Okay. Every episode. Okay. So the rules are one P related. Yeah. If you can. A lot of them have been P related. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they're they're usually our favorite. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. It can be about anything or anyone as long as they're cool with you talking about it. P related. It doesn't have to be P related. But I feel like there's there probably is. Yeah. Um, Carlo one time. Um, Did Carlo do a podcast episode yet? No, no, but I definitely got to get Carlo yeah. to tell some stories. He has some crazy ones. He's got, he's legendary I, stories. Yeah. Man, I think the most legendary tour stories I have are with Carlo. Well, um, yeah, let's do one. I'll tell this one. It's not pee related, although I'm pretty sure all of us peed at one point during the night in some area that wasn't a bathroom. <laughs> um, we, um, we, uh, played Providence, Rhode Island, and when was this? This was September, October of, uh, no September of 2013. So, in in going right before, right before I met you, this is okay. crazy. Now this isn't allowed because you have 90 day radius. Like you, right, can't, right. you can't play the city. We always broke that. Yeah, though, when we were that. We, when we were that size. Stolas did a full U.S. tour from August to uh, mid September. And then had like a week off, and then went on a full U.S. with Dance Gam and Dance in support of their uh, upcoming release at that point, Acceptance Speech. Um, but um, before that DGD support tour, we did, were doing our own headliner, and Stolas was playing Providence, Rhode Island, at a VFW hall, where it was a good show, I think. I don't know, like maybe. Was it Firehouse Thirteen? I think so, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that venue, that little yeah. room. It's cool. Um, we um, we got there super late because we got stuck in traffic leaving New York. Um, we played, and then afterwards, this kid, uh, he's not a kid, he was in college. Um, uh, Matt comes up to us, and he's like, you guys got to come to the Prof Palace. And we're like, what's the Prof Palace? And it was a frat house. And uh, we didn't know this, but it was college move-in day. And so people oh, were fucking losing it in their streets. I had never seen what a college town looked like in, in this way. I had been oh, to, we had been okay, to Chico, yeah. and we had Chico played State. Chico, California, yeah. But we had never... Moving day was always wild. So we fun. had never... We, so the, I, being the fucking band dad, um, which I've always been, was like, no, we play Buffalo tomorrow. It's an eight-hour drive. Like, we got to go tonight. We're going to start driving tonight. And... Carlo and everybody were like, no, let's just stay. Let's sleep really early. Like, we, let's just leave at like, um, let's just leave at like 5.30, 6 in the morning. And I'm like, I know all of us. We're not going to wake up in time to do yeah. it. So let's start driving tonight. And RJ was like, if we can stay, I'll wake up at 5.30 and I'll start driving. Like, let's just make sure that we're all either sleeping in the van or mostly sleeping in the van. And, um, uh... So I was like, fuck it, fine, whatever. Uh -huh. And we get to the what they called the Prof Palace, and it was it was just, I don't know how to describe it. It was just like a college party, like a college um, movie. I don't know, what's a famous college movie? I know movie? what you mean, yeah. But it was like, 
fucking on Adderall. I don't know. It was crazy. There was like crowds of people in the street. Um, there were cop cars going by. I, I was a dick. I, I like pointed this out. That this dude was, had a golf club outside of this like frat house. And people were chugging their beers and then like stepping on the cans. And then this dude and was, hitting, was them. hitting them into the street. And there was like hundreds of cans everywhere around like hundreds of people. And um, Carlo got so drunk um, that we like, I don't know. The, the, the reason why this story is crazy is because we all stayed up all night until fucking 5.30 in the morning. And then drove. We did drive. RJ drove. But we couldn't find Carlo because Carlo um, had disappeared at one point. Uh, <laughs> and got really fucking hammered, and then I found him on a bench. I just <laughs> found him on a bench outside at 5.30 in the morning. Um, but yeah, that, I don't oh, know. Amazing. It, Dude, we did one college show one time. Um, Venetia Fair did at, at UMass Lowell in a basement at one of the, it was called the Ant Cellar, mm -hmm. and it's just this, like, it's just an apartment that had a basement, and it they had they've had shows going. I don't know if they still do, but they had shows going on for a decade. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just that like the classic punk house mm -hmm. or whatever, and it was a big show because it was our last night, Wilson and us mm -hmm. in a basement, and it was like not when our last night was like a smaller band. Yeah, yeah. They were still relevant, yeah, yeah. you know. So, and it was a there was no capacity. Yeah. At those things, you know, and the ceiling was you had to crouch to be in there. Like, that's kind of the yeah. thing. Um, and it had to have been, like, you could probably only fit 100 people in there. But there was probably, like, in the rest of the apartment, out onto the streets, like, 500 people. Jesus and it was just an absolute, there was, like, kegs and shit. You yeah. know, it was, a, it was, like, an absolute shit show. It was great. Yeah. I miss that stuff. I don't understand that's like a world i never got to experience i didn't, college. I didn't go to college i didn't i like never entered a fraternity there were like cool times but i it felt i don't know outside looking in it was like normal people otherwise normal people like snorting alcohol to like to have friends snorting alcohol yeah, I, I, there's frat people that i, I mean i've done it that would really <laughs> yeah See, I, that to me is fucking dumb and wild. Oh, it is stupid. <laughs> but like, that, do you know who you're talking to? Well, you and is it a surprise to you that I've done that? Um, not no, not too much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I we stayed at, at frat places where, or fr like I, it was just a giant house yeah. with like a bathroom that looked like a locker room, but yeah. it was in a house that mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like that world to me is so distant and crazy. <laughs> And, like, there was some dude in the corner, like, not wanting to be bothered. He obviously looked like he was, like, trying to study and or whatever. And, like, right, like, a couple feet away from him are people, like, doing keg stands. That wasn't, like, where I was, really. Okay. Well, <laughs> the house, the, it's especially on the East Coast, the frat house, it was, and it was only, like, one or two dudes out of, like, 10 or 15 that lived there that liked our band. The rest of them couldn't give a fuck about who right, we were. Right, 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 right. But there was always one or two guys that were, like, fucking stoked that we were there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It, I never experienced that world, so. Yeah. I mean, I would say that this is what I always... Because I went to college for two years mm -hmm. before I bailed. Um, and it was for touring. Mm -hmm. And I think that, one... Like, yes, I missed out on some of, like, the college experiences yeah. that people talked about. 
But like, and I know what they are. I've experienced them. Like my first two years of college. Yeah. But the shit that you do on tour, <laughs> it's definitely way Probably crazier, way crazier. <laughs> And, like, way more eventful and way more exciting. And I think, like, I have I learned so much from that, from the early days of touring. Because what I think people don't understand about it, and I think this is what actually tanks some bands, is that they don't understand that it is very much your business. Right, like, it is right. a business that you have to invest money into and, like, make business decisions about. And, like, you, I, I learned a shitload... Yeah. about that because I made mistakes doing it and like it's not something that when I started a band I wasn't ever thinking be like man I can't wait to like um, track my miles per gallon yeah yeah. do you know what I mean <laughs> which is actually something Donnie would do dude well, I have agent, he, I have charts yeah that have like we designed spreadsheets and graphs and all that shit my, that was like this is how much it costs us to go one mile my I, I don't think I was that detailed but I'll I remember my, my parents hilarious. kind of being a little bit more, they were always supportive, but I think they were even more supportive when they saw the business side of things. Right. Like, I used, every tour, every tour, I'd print at my parents' house a binder with, the, like, basically day sheets, but mm -hmm. um, spreadsheets with what we were going to make, or, or... What you needed to break even, and all that exactly. stuff. Yeah. And my parents saw that as like, whoa, that's, they're not out there just like... Right. This isn't just fun. Like, my, right. my kid is actually... And it's even aside from that, like you and I would know because we were DIY booking. It's like when you're doing those calculations, be like, yes, I can take a door deal for 50 percent of the door right. out of the 10 people that come that night for five dollars in Omaha, because in Denver, I'm going to get right. paid four hundred dollars. Right. Which is Omaha even is like so even cold, that man. like just pays for gas. Yeah. Like that's it. You know, yeah. like between those two shows, you're probably driving 500 miles, if not more. Yeah. Right. So like all of that shit, like I'm very conscious of it even now because I can now look at like, well, I think when we are going this, it's like it's just good to know the how what things cost money, what things are necessary to pay for, yeah. like what's a luxury to pay for and is it worth it? Right. Like now like, at this stage, now, right? It's a necessity and almost what um, God, my early version of touring me would be like, what the fuck? You're getting right. you're getting hotels because you need them. Like right. back then, we could we never got hotels. Because I think we, Venetia Fair, maybe got four hotels ever. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, Stolas was a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Well, now we loved um, sleeping in the van. We loved it. We did too. In in climates that was comfortable well do you remember we also had like a pretty sweet setup yeah if anybody band. wants to look it up you guys can go on digital, digital tour, tour bus, bus on youtube and find yeah. venetia fair's van but yeah, yeah i think what's important for people to take away that 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 after covid and once you're allowed to start trying to tour again i don't know what the, your like uh, demographic is age-wise people that listen it's to pretty this. Um, um, spread spread out, but I do know of a bunch of people that I've lis listened and messaging and said like, a lot of the early touring day stories are yeah. cool. You know? So, I don't know. It's a business. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. Sum it up and and DIY. I guess DIY touring for me, the way I look, at, I would look at it now in some ways that it was like my version of college. And that, I that, totally agree. That's how I got a lot of my life. Which is funny because I went to two years of college and then I did like five years of DIY touring. 
So that's like <laughs> going to college for seven years. So maybe I didn't do so hot at it. But um, yeah, What's I agree. What college did you graduate from? College of the Open Road, baby. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's wrap up here. Cool. I definitely want to do a part two. Cool. I, I'm going to do some episodes in between. Yeah, that's And fine. then we'll do a part two. I live two, 11 miles away from you. Which now. is a great treat for me, too. Um, all right, cool. Well, thanks, dude. Yeah, thank and also, oh. Um, I hope this was of some value. Yeah, and, and we'll get you in on the, the throne chat that we have, too, cool. so people can ask questions about the episode in there. Uh, again, as a reminder, I know we'll talk about this in the beginning of the podcast, but our throne community, uh, it's a monthly fee of $7, and you can participate in all that kind of stuff that we're doing behind the scenes. It's been really fun so far. Cool. Um, Cool. Well, thanks, dude. Yeah, thank you. Um, oh, last thing. Where can people find... Oh, we should just mention your active projects right now, just so people can look them up and find out what you're doing, because we'll get more... We'll get into those yeah. on the next um, one. Well, right now, my biggest focus is uh, the, the label I work for. It's called Blue right. Swan Records. Um, Will Swan of Dance Game and Dance. He's the uh, CEO and founder, and he made me vice president, and I'm, we're just working on building that right now. We've been really quiet, mostly because of COVID. Uh, but um, I'll tell you, I'll talk to you a little bit this afterwards about some new developments for us that hopefully we'll go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, under that label, I play for a band called Royal Coda, which um, is another one of my active bands. Another band called Idola, which will be dropping a uh, record soon. Uh, the band you and I play in. Called Nova Charisma, and uh, what else do I fucking do? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I that's enough, dude. You don't have to do any more right now. No. It's fine. I think that's it for now. All right, cool. I might be forgetting something. So go look up the bands, find the bands on the label, and we'll do all that, and we'll get into all that next time. Cool. Cool. Sweet. That's it.
The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like Chicago's. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.